I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, men behind a $100 million illegal ICO disappear into the fog. Ethereum Classic hit by a 51% attack and, well, $5 million is gone. And in our main story, Zcash maker teams with Gemini... Binance for a new crypto education program coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, August 6th, 2020, and I hope everybody's having a good day. Crypto prices continue to rise. I'm always excited when crypto prices continue to rise. Why? Because the energy is in the space. And with that energy in the space, man, there's just a buzz. There's just a feeling. There's a feeling when it comes to news. There's a feeling when it comes to investment. There's a feeling when it comes to innovation in the tech. I just am happy today, even though I shouldn't be. There's a lot of things going on in the world that can be concerning right now. But if Bitcoin prices and crypto prices are going up, we can at least have that silver lining to our gray clouds. Let's take a look at those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin at $11,818.84, up 1.2% from yesterday. Ethereum still has a little man sitting on its back that won't let it rise up above $400. It's up 50 cents from yesterday, up 0.1%, sitting at $397.57. Litecoin added even $60, up 1.75%. Bitcoin Cash was the big winner today, $311.84 up 5.4% from yesterday, and XRP steadily climbing 30.6 cents, up 0.7% from yesterday. Remember everybody, if you're looking at the market and you wanna see healthy growth, you wanna see slow growth. You don't wanna see these big changes of 10%, 20%. You're gonna see big drops from those. You wanna see half a percent, 1%, 1 1.5% over the course of weeks and months to get those all-time highs so you know that they're gonna be locked in there. You're not gonna have a monster correction. So if you think it's not enough, if you think we should be rising more, this is actually a pretty good rate. I like it. I am very comfortable with this. In our main story today, we talk about a subject that I hold dear, education. Education in the crypto space is key to getting people involved, getting people into crypto, feeling comfortable with crypto, and also pushing for mass adoption. Today, we talked to Electric Coins VP of Growth, Mr. Josh Swihart, about their initiative where they teamed up with Binance and Gemini to create an educational platform, Crypto in Context. Let's learn about this initiative. Josh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here, Matt. A news item came across my desk the other day. And you know what? Something I'm very passionate about because in 2016, I created a podcast called Crypto 101, and it was all about education. And then I see that you guys teamed up with a lot of big people in the space. I want to know about this, and I want to know about how this is going to usher in a bull market and how this is going to impact the mass adoption of cryptocurrency. Could you just tell us what is this program? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So this program we launched is in partnership with you know a lot of players in the space. 
uh, so Brave and Binance and DCG and Flexa and Gemini, it came out of a recognition that, that we weren't necessarily reaching all the communities that, that we desire to. And it was at, actually a couple years ago at uh, ETH Denver, and I was talking to some folks within the Ethereum community about DeFi and the potential for DeFi. And they were talking about what it could mean in terms of its impact for the globally unbanked. And I've done some work uh, over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so with the globally unbanked and specifically in the slums of India. And what they were talking about and the solutions they were building didn't connect with my experiences in terms of what the needs were. And I had asked that group, I said, how many, how many of you have actually sat across the table and broke bread with somebody that's unbanked? And all of these folks that were building all the DeFi solutions, none of them had, um, not one. And it's been my experience that you can't really understand the context in which people live and, and are working and how the technology might be applied um, unless you're in context. Um, and at the same time, I had met this remarkable school teacher, Carlos Acevedo, who was teaching financial literacy to his high school kids in the South Bronx. And one of the things that he was doing was when they graduated, he gave them a little bit of Zcash. He gave them $5 worth of Zcash. And the reason he chose Zcash over Bitcoin, quite frankly, at that time, is just the fees were too high. And he thought that this would also be kind of a good opportunity to teach a little bit about privacy. And so I got wind of that and we started talking and, and we developed a pilot to bring crypto into the South Bronx, not with the intent of just providing uh, kind of unilateral education, although that's part of it, right? Teaching like what is Bitcoin, what is what are digital currencies, how do wallets work, how do exchanges work, how do you do it safely? But also for the people that were building the solutions to hear from the people that were in need of them. Like, what does it really mean to not have a bank account in the South Bronx? What does it really mean to not have an ID? Can you really access cryptocurrency? Can you really access these solutions? Is it too technically complex? And so that's that's where this was born out of, was the, the desire to, uh, to bring uh, crypto in, into various contexts for kind of a bilateral education uh, rather than a, a unilateral education. You said a couple of things in there that I really want to touch on. Um, first thing is, you said a lot earlier on, is the solution didn't connect. I want to know, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit briefly of what solutions that didn't connect and how did you find after breaking bread as you said with uh people in the slums of india that you needed to what, what solutions did were they, were they looking for that maybe you weren't developing some of the technologies that we've been built like how people might use them and the reality is like if you're living in the slums everybody knows that you like store your cash in a rice bag nobody really touches it or like your store of value is is with gold um so it's a metal it's something that you can carry around with you there's a long history of that uh, of using gold as a store of value exchange happens a little bit differently the realities are that like people can't get to or uh, use most technologies because maybe they're using antiquated cell phones, so cell phones that can't support um, more modern technologies. Perhaps they can't read and write English. Um, you know, in Mumbai, it's it, there's a it's, it's a local dialect uh, that they're using, or you might uh, speak something else, Hindi or something else. And so it, it was just kind of it was kind of missing, or they weren't talking about the ver various use cases and how it might be used. It was technology people talking about technology, and that's that's where I think I saw the kind of the, the initial disconnect between you know what we were talking about and the potential audience that they were targeting because the audience was a part of the, the conversation. You then moved over to the South Bronx, and I want to get into the education aspect in a little bit and actually what kind of curriculum are you developing but one thing and you said South Bronx and this really resonated with me because we're in the uh, era of COVID in a pandemic people are going online for a lot of things I know 
plenty of teachers, plenty of school districts, administrators, boards of education uh, in Cleveland and Detroit and in New York that are combating the same problem is that there is a huge lack in uh, equity when it comes to who has access to the internet, who has access to smartphones, who has access to computers and, and what have you. People aren't able to work from home. People aren't able to get their kids the proper education or education if you're going online with classes. How can we even combat that when we're talking about digital money that needs some sort of platform to be able to connect to the internet and uh, to do banking or banking the unbanked? Yeah, that's a great question. What's powerful is if we can engage people with where they're at, because the, the reality is the people of the South Bronx uh, you know, a huge unbanked population, I think per capita less banks than anywhere else in the US. But the people of the South Bronx don't need someone to come in and say, okay, wave a magic wand and here's the solution. The people of the South Bronx are going to solve the problems of the South Bronx, but they need access, they need support, but they'll they'll be able to figure out like how to apply that within uh, within their context. But we need to provide access and education and, and, and tooling. Um, and we really need to kind of sit down and, and understand again and and dialogue about what the challenges are. And so if you're you know rolling out a solution, they can say like this this just doesn't work for me. I, like I don't see how it's it can be used, right? If I can't go buy groceries from a bodega using cryptocurrency, like why is it a value to me? Is it just a speculative asset, or is there something else here? I I love that we 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 touched on these two different aspects of the Bronx and India. They're so different yet have similar problems when it comes to access and equity and and the ability to um, be banked and transact. What are you creating in terms of education, in terms of uh, curriculum, in terms of uh, what, what are you building to tackle some of those problems that we just highlighted? That's yeah, a great question. I think because because each situation and each context is a little bit different, we're working to tailor the curriculum for that particular context. So I'll give you some examples. So, you know, we, we talked about um, the South Bronx and largely there were students that had just graduated from high school. Maybe they're in college or maybe they were working and we're learning about the basics of cryptocurrency. We also worked with a gentleman by the name of Mo Gashim, who, who was living in Syria. He's a Syrian entrepreneur. At one point, his assets were seized. He was forced out of the country. Uh, he had to rebuild his life and his family's life in Jordan. He needed, you know, assets that were uh, not seizable and Portable, and he has a desire to teach other Syrian refugees about cryptocurrencies in order to to benefit them. And the the language that it has to be taught in is you know largely can be a little bit of English, but it needed to be taught in Arabic. And some of the challenges were a little bit different. And so there were a lot of kind of conversations about uh, remittances and how you get on. You know, how do you get access to cryptocurrencies if you don't have an ID, for example. Or we're talking to a couple other organizations with uh, an organization is, is working with um, young entrepreneurial women and teaching them how to code. And so they're a little bit more technical. And so some of the curriculum likely um, will will be catered a little bit more towards you know that particular audience. This moves over to the final question. And the final question is, what is the end goal? What is the end goal of, of this initiative, of this uh I guess, support or movement or education platform that you are creating, what do you want to see happen within these communities, within these uh, situations? Yeah, ultimately, we want to see economic freedom. The, the end game is that people have an option. They have an option to be able to transact. They have the option to be able to save their wealth. They have the option to be able to kind of engage within their community without being taxed just because they're poor. That's what this is about. This is about access. This is a means to an end. This is a tool that I'm hoping will help us uh, 
help us get there. That's yeah, that's what this is really about. The example of Serbia and what I'm seeing is in Lebanon, Beirut right now, uh, the economic hardships that are being had. Uh, and of course, we've seen these in other places when it comes to Zimbabwe, Venezuela, um, and other mm-hmm. places around the world. Uh, it shows how we do need a system that is outside of our traditional government systems or financial systems uh, to kind of to make that hedge against this uh, volatile we don't think it to be volatile, but volatile uh, economic sphere that we all live in. So, Josh, I want to say thank you very much for doing what you do and for coming on the show. Matthew, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate getting to talk to you. And in other news, Ethereum Classic is hit by its second 51% attack in a week. The hacker managed to reorganize over 4,000 blocks again on the Ethereum Classic's blockchain, according to BitFly. This reorganization and controlling 51% of the hashing power allowed them to walk away with $5.6 million in Ethereum Classic, or around 800,000 ETC. And all it cost them to do this was around 17.5 BTC, or $204,000. That's a hell of an ROI. So a little context to this. What is a 51% attack? A 51% attack is controlling 51% of the network or the hashing power of a network. You can do that with Bitcoin. You can do it with Litecoin. You can do it with Ethereum, anything that uses proof of work. Now to do this on Bitcoin would be very, very expensive and to be honest with you, damn near impossible. To do it on Ethereum is also damn near impossible. However, the hash rate to maintain the Ethereum Classic network due to a couple of entities, larger entities, pulling away from the project has given it a lower threshold so people can attack it much more easily. How easily? Well, apparently $204,000 easily. Vitalik tweeted, Ethereum Classic should just switch to proof of stake. Even given the risk-averse culture, at this point, making the jump seems lower risk than not making it. Now here comes my two cents. Well, everybody's calling it hackers. Somebody hacked the network, but they didn't hack the network. In my opinion, hacking means you have to break into something that you're not supposed to be in. It's kind of like stealing, but in the digital world. You might hack into a vault of a bank. You can hack into somebody's computer, something that's locked. However, these so-called hackers use the actual fundamental system against itself. They had the power, they bought the power. They used the system exactly how it's supposed to work. 51% of the hashing power gave them the authority to change the blockchain. So to call them hackers, I would say, is a stretch. I don't know what word I would use to call the people that ran off with 800,000 ETC or $5.6 million worth of Ethereum Classic, but hackers, I don't know. Especially since they didn't break into anything, they just used the system exactly as it intended to be used. And the men behind a $100 million illegal ICO disappear into the fog. The co-founders of Status Network, Jared Hope and Carl Bennett, can't be found. Investigators allege that they misled them into a $100 million ICO, and now they're trying to find them. They even hired private investigators to try to track them down, but to no avail. The lawsuit argues that Status misled investors by saying that SNT token was a utility network token, not subject to U.S. securities law. The investors want their money back because the lawsuit against Status was filed on April as part of the so-called Red Wedding, a batch of class action complaints from 42 investors from over a dozen countries, all represented by the same New York law firm. Collectively, the lawsuit seeks damages over billions of dollars worth of blockchain-based tokens sold in ICOs. Remember yesterday when I said 2017 was wild? 
2017 was wild. And finally, Goldman Sachs is considering its own cryptocurrency, likely a stablecoin. Goldman Sachs has appointed a new head of digital assets while in its early days, the bank says it's examining a way to create its own fiat digital currency. They hired Matthew McDermott, 46 years old, who started working at the bank last month, said that Goldman Sachs is exploring the commercial viability of creating its own fiat-based digital token in an interview with CNBC. In May, Goldman Sachs denied that Bitcoin was an asset class. On the other hand, McDermott said today, and quote, it feels like there's a resurgence of interest in cryptocurrencies, end quote. And I can attest to that. My ex of 12 years ago sent me a message today, said, hey, do you think I should buy Bitcoin? What about this app? That says something to me. Hold on to your hats, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Can you please do me a personal favor? If you've been following my work since 2017 in the crypto space, do me a favor and go to iTunes and leave me a comment and a rating in the U.S. iTunes store for this podcast. It helps me stay visible. It helps me with my iTunes SEO. And to be perfectly honest, I want people to get the daily news from the Decrypt Daily. That's why I do it. And I hope that it keeps people informed of what's happening in the crypto space. You can always send me emails to MatthewAaron at DecryptMedia.com if you have any questions, comments, or just want to chat. I'll see you tomorrow in our long form podcast. Happy hodling, everybody.